Make your way back to the green path, race back to Linus, once back in the green pumpkin patch. Players continue to spin until one player spins the exact number that gets them to the last step. No! That's insane! All the worst tropes. <laughs> There's a go back two spaces! Oh, this is gonna be terrible. This is Eddie Cantor, but dumbed down, sort of. Welcome to Which Game First. We hunt down three board games every show from all over the spectrum. Different styles, genres, themes, even eras to introduce them to you in a fun and easy way. Did we find any hidden treasures that you've been missing out on this week? Let's find out. First up, we scramble our way to Dominion as we fry our enemies with negative victory points in Eggs and Empires. Next up, we float gently toward victory on floral-scented breezes as we spread our colorful wings in mariposas. And lastly, we trick-or-treat our way back to Linus and Sweets Victory in It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, hello. Ed Povolitis. What's up? And Mike Grenier. Ooh, that's me. Let's get started. Let's talk about the board game Eggs and Empires, designed by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle, published by Eagle Griffin Games in 2014, number of players 2 to 6, ages 8 and up, playtime 20 to 30 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, what's in the box? On the cover, we catch a lightly armored adventurer crouching down and pondering just what will happen if he steals the glowing dragon egg in his hands. My guess is it ends poorly for him. (laughs) Inside, there are 60 Empire cards, 42 Egg cards, 13 Egg tokens, and a tiebreaker marker. And that's it. That's what's in the box. Well, before we heat up the griddle and get this review sizzling, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Eggs and Empires, players unleash their adventurers from their hands to collect as many good dragon eggs as possible. (laughs) Players use matching decks of Empire cards that contain adventurers numbered 1 through 10 to lay claim to eggs from the community pile in the center of the table. Eggs can be either face up, so you know their value, or face down, and you only learn of their value when obtained. (laughs) (laughs) Secrets, secrets, secrets. (laughs) On each turn... Players will select one card from their hand and play it simultaneously. Good eggs are worth victory points. Exploding eggs mean you lose victory points. (laughs) Each Empire card has a unique power that can affect the order in which eggs are selected. Hmm. Whoever collects the most victory points over three rounds wins, and the winner is deemed Hero of the Land, and they get to wield the legendary sword named... Eggs caliber. Eggs caliber. Oh, see what I did there? See? Oh, God. With the eggs and the, uh, and the victory? Yeah. Cheesy. Is that a thing? Do they really no. do wield eggs no, caliber? No, <laughs> no, but there should be, clearly. And the winning player shouts, Excelsior! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the look of this game. Well, it's a card game. Mm-hmm. And it has fantasy art. A little dark, but uh, overall, but it's all right. And the, the 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 fantasy art is pretty generic. Nothing there that I thought was particularly inspiring. <laughs> their action figures like striking their their pose. They're all posing. Yes, absolutely. The dark priestess is like, I am here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with a name like Eggs and Empires, I have to be honest. I was expecting a little comedy. <laughs> they, they're not playing it like that. They're playing it straight. No. 
Mm-hmm. So you start off with blind bidding, but there's also role selection. It's primarily a blind bidding game. Each turn, there are some eggs out there, and you're going to try to either snag them or duck them based on what card you play, and that's where the role selection comes in because you have a deck of cards, and some of them have special abilities. So mm-hmm. somebody's like, well, you know, I think somebody can be playing the Black Myth, and that's like an eight card. That's pretty high. Now, maybe I can go like, you know, full tilt and uh, put out my 10, but maybe I don't have him in my hand. I only get three cards in my hand. The Shepherd, however, somehow, for whatever reason, beats Blacksmith. So I'll try that one out. <laughs> Why does the Shepherd beat the Blacksmith? I mean, what is the themes thinking on that one? Because it is a lower number card. It's a three. You And it's usually in this game, high cards beat low cards, right? Uh, he's out in the field and he notices the eggs first. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this fun. one. Yes. Flipper, baby. Flippity flap. Hero. We can be here. I go before oh, the man. I, I gotta go with one of these blind you ones. You go before. I go oh, I remember. But he goes next. No, you. No, yeah, I go next. Oh, I go because next. I go before. Eight. Blacksmith goes. Nope. I go. No, yeah, blacksmith go goes. Except eight. I go. Before. Oh, shepherd. Oh, oh right, shepherd right, right, trumps right. the shepherd blacksmith. Trumps the blacksmith if a blacksmith pops up. If a blacksmith pops up. Edge. Now I can get negative four. Oh, means I go last. Mystery time. Yay. Yes, you go last. Which means you'll be getting negative four. That's why I play. That's brutal. And with the shepherd beating the blacksmith which is an eight, then anybody who has seven, six, five, or four who would have normally beaten the shepherd is going to lose to the shepherd because he takes his egg first before the blacksmith. Right. Yes, it reminded me a a bit of love letters in that type of mechanic. I mean, I like the mechanic, though. It definitely takes some bit from love letter with the different powers of the cards. The bidding part, you can kind of compare to for sale. Sometimes you're really shaking your head like, how did I end up with negative nine victory <laughs> yep. point egg? Because <laughs> it, it, it does, the tides shift quickly and sometimes you're sure you're going to win. Uh-huh. You know, you put a nine card out and somehow you still lost because of all the, um, you know, ancillary rules. But that is mm-hmm. part of the fun of it. And of course, you'll get better at it as you play. Man, so many times I got slammed with a negative victory point when <laughs> I was not expecting sure. it. Yeah, a big thing to watch is where the tiebreaker market is located because um, if it's located right next to me and it's like, well, I can play my 10. Even if somebody else plays a 10, the tie will go to me. So, ha. That's very important. It is very important. You'll have an advantage in this game if you can card count because keeping track of other players' cards and what they've played is is a very big part of this game. Huge. I know that Ed already threw out his blacksmith or number eight card or whatever, and I'll know, okay, then maybe, you know, I won't need to throw my three at this point, or being able to track what the other players have already done will give you great advantages and avoid those negative exploding eggs. Oh, absolutely. Like, it doesn't just... Card counting is not enough in this game. You also need to know how the other players are thinking because some of the boards you'll see and the points swing like crazy. You'll see like a minus 10 and a plus 11 victory points on the same board of three cards. And you have to go, wow, how hard is everybody going to fight for this? And, you know, do I want to just not get anything at all this round to be safe? And you have to say, okay, well, I think Evan's going to be scared to try to win this game. So maybe I can get past him or, you know, maybe Celeste is going to be extra aggressive and play her big guy this turn. You what? Know, so. Me? Who? What? <laughs> I'm sure this doesn't ring a bell for anybody out there. But, <laughs> but yeah, that you have to know who you're playing against um, because you can really get ahead that way. 
you're basically you're guessing what the other players will play. It's like, hmm, I don't think anybody else is going to risk their nine because if you put, two people play a nine, nobody gets anything. It depends on the eggs, though, doesn't it? Because you could have a you could have four you could have three eggs out there. One could be a plus uh, twelve points, ten points, and eight points. And you'd be like, all right, I don't have to play anything great. I'll get good points no matter what. You may want to play one of your lower cards. Right. It's still guessing because they don't have access to the whole deck. They only have three cards in their hand. So do they have their 10-point card or is that still in their deck? (laughs) Exactly. And speaking of psychology, the look of these eggs, like the positive eggs are blue and they have these giant numbers and they look so pretty. Mm. And the negatives are these red cards <laughs> with a ne- giant negative number on the bottom. It's horrifying. Ooh, it looks when like they a come punishment. Like, it's it clear you don't want that card. Yeah. It definitely looks punitive, Evan. You're right. And, and, <laughs> and it plays to you. You start to panic. You're like, whoa, I can't have that. Mm-hmm. There are ways to get rid of eggs. Like I think the priest lets you get rid of one of your negative eggs. You don't want them sitting in your sideboard because it just hurts. It feels heavy when you have a negative score, especially after a whole round. You get one bad negative cards. Even if you won three other good cards, it can ruin your whole score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's no guarantee you'll even get to play your priest because you don't wind up playing all mm-hmm. 10 of your players, all 10 of your yep. heroes. Yeah. And another fun one to play is the number four, the courier. You said, oh, like everybody thinks you because know, you played a low number that you're going to get the... Uh, the big negative point card, but you get to give it to an opponent. Like, oh, thank <laughs> yep. you for the minus 10. You can have it, Mikey. Oh, thanks, Ed. I'll remember that for the future. Uh, <laughs> and I did. Sink your neighbor. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I started with a, an, a, a really commanding lead uh, in the early rounds, and it is not a good thing. You become a target. Very much. A lot of games suffer from that uh, bash on the leader aspect. Of course. Well, that's the old hearts mechanism. You know, someone's leading in hearts. You want to feed them as many hearts as you possibly can. Share the love, we used to <laughs> yeah. say, in hearts. Here's so, some hearts. Share so a lot the of love. these games, you don't want to be first. You want to be second. I was just going to say that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's my favorite position, second place. <laughs> Our friend Steve, who often would play right behind me. Because Steve is a very, you know, leadership type of guy in real life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Steve, you want to lead? He's like, no, no, Celeste, you lead. I'll be your second in command. <laughs> <laughs> He'll step into the position of glory at just the right moment, (laughs) right at the end. You do the work. I'll take the credit when it's all ready. I'll do all the planning. You take all the hits. (laughs) Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the what is it called the 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 Tour de France when uh, people are you know riding the wake of the person in front of them and they have to break the the win and they're just riding their wake. Yes. And then at the last second, zoom right around them to win. I think it's nice that there's three rounds of play because your very first time playing it, you might not quite get the strategy that was me but after a <laughs> round or two then you'll be a shark aha okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury eggs and empires mike i really love how portable and teachable this game is it's got big strategy and a tiny little package so i definitely want to dig this up evan eggs and empires is a fast-paced trick-taking game with a good amount of strategy it keeps it interesting and if you don't mind the sudden point swings, you're going to enjoy this game. Dig it up. Ed? The blind bidding and simple play allowed for a fast-paced game with gamers and non-gamers. Dig this egg up for my empire of game. <laughs> I play a lot of trick-taking card games. And although oh, yeah. although the mechanics are solid, the art 
theme and play were not memorable to me. So there are better choices for trick-taking games. In my book, I'm going to bury it. If you have thoughts about eggs and empires, come chat with us on Twitter and check out all our fun pics and videos on Instagram. Hey, everybody, we just wanted to take a couple minutes to talk to you about what's going on with which game first. All these great things we've got for you. Well, I definitely found myself uh, stuck in a rabbit hole down in Kickstarter land. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad place to be. We're going to be doing like short interviews and shout outs on the show uh, for people who Kickstarters are coming up soon. So we are really excited to be bringing you guys these new games uh, that are hot off the press and giving you guys an opportunity to maybe check them out while you can still become a backer. Yep. Because usually if you're a backer, you can get extra perks. And that's the kind of thing we want for you guys. Exclusive. This is pre-hot off the press. This isn't even off the presses yet. It hadn't even gotten to the press yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But if you're not familiar with Kickstarter, if you go to back one of these board games we're talking about, usually you get extra perks that you wouldn't get by buying it later. Special components. Yep. There's even some Kickstarters like the one we were talking about last week in our show where you can get your picture or your idea in the game. There's all <laughs> kinds of weird stuff like that. You got to check them out. And we'll, and we'll point some out for you guys too. And what's going on on Twitter, Mike? Oh yeah, I got my game. It's called Two Stat Tuesday, where I'll write like a little brief bit of a story. Like you kind of, you wake up in a prison cell or an orc is running straight at you. So you're in the middle of an adventure <laughs> that's happening. And you're just going to pick one of your stats to roll and roll with that stat. And I'll use that information to write the next part of the story for you. And if you survive the first round, I'll let you roll again and pick again. And I'll tell you how it turns out. So two stat Tuesday is what it's called. It's on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, two stat Tuesday. If you don't know what it is, wing it and play anyway. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Make up a stat. (laughs) Yeah. if, if If you make something up, I'll still write something for you anyway. So just just jump in and, and join the fun. Roll your brilliantness. <laughs> Roll brilliance. Yeah, exactly. And, then, <laughs> and we're talking a lot more on Twitter about we're doing board game aphorisms. Oh, yeah. Which are things like Work. if a tree falls in the forest and there's no meeple around, can I still collect the wood? <laughs> Great aphorisms for your day. Uh, a couple of those I thought you could like print out and hang on your wall like inspirational <laughs> photos. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Are you tired of seeing that kitten say hang in there? Yeah. Print out one of our board game aphorisms instead. <laughs> Which game first is also on Board Game Geek. What's going on there, Evan? We've been doing these hyper unboxings, which are really, really popular. And as soon as they hit the Board Game Geek pages, oh boy, are people tuning into those. They seem to really love them. You know, what else we're doing is we're, we obviously record our Thursday night live Twitch games. Twitch, Twitch, Twitch. <laughs> 7 o'clock Eastern time. Join us every Thursday because we'll play live. Board Game Geek has been the perfect place to kind of filter our videos through to get to the YouTube channel from there. Yep. Also, Joe Unfried has been writing articles <laughs> and, and we're getting those posted uh, to Board Game Geek as well so look up your favorite games there and look for articles by joe unfree our mad scientist so a lot happening at bgg see us every thursday night tune into twitch if you can't get to us 7 p.m eastern time on thursdays 
You can still catch the show after on Twitch for seven days. And all you have to do, if you don't know what Twitch is, because I know some of our listeners don't, it is twitch.tv. It's just a website. And then once you get there, you can type in which game first and it goes to our channel. You can watch us on your phone or on your laptop or on your desktop <laughs> or Maybe some of you have it on your smart TV. I don't know. (laughs) I got it on my smart TV. If you do miss it that week, you can then go to our YouTube channel and all of our playthroughs are there. Another fun thing we're doing on Twitch now is trivia. Come learn some interesting facts about the game or maybe facts are not about the game. Just on the theme itself. It's always theme related. If we're playing Las Vegas. The mm-hmm. trivia is going to be about Las Vegas. Last week we were playing the crew. Trivia was all about space. Space. Yeah, the final frontier. It's great because you can come right in and on Twitch, there's a sidebar that you can type while we're playing and we see it. So we'll be conversing with you. You'll be answering trivia there while we're playing the game. It's a lot of fun. And you'll get to hear us yell out Sparhawk several times. And you'll find out what that means if you come see us. <laughs> <laughs> And on Instagram, we post almost daily. We're giving you great unboxings there, too. You can see game night clips, Twitch night clips, um, dig up and berries from our podcast. If you haven't followed us there yet, please do follow us. And if you like the show, give us a shout out. Please like us on your podcatcher and share us with a friend. That would be awesome. Thanks so much, guys, for helping us grow and coming along with us. Let's talk about the board game Mariposas, designed by Elizabeth Hargrave, published by Alderac Entertainment Group in 2020. Number of players, 2 to 5, ages 14 and up. Playtime, 45 to 75 minutes. Mike, tell us what's in the box. On the cover is a kaleidoscope of butterflies fluttering without a care over a black background. Inside, there are 50 wooden butterfly markers five wooden player score markers, 36 action cards, 60 life cycle cards, 15 bonus move cards, 120 flower tokens, 16 way station markers, six life cycle ability tokens, a map board, a way station board, and a flower die. Oh, so peaceful. And that's what's in the box. Before our review gets you all a flutter, Evan, tell us how it's played. Mariposas is a game of movement and set collection that lets players be part of the amazing journey that monarch butterflies make every year. Every spring, millions of monarch butterflies leave Mexico to spread out across eastern North America. Every fall, millions fly back to Mexico. However, no single butterfly ever makes the round trip. Hmm. Mariposas is played in three seasons. Your butterflies try to head north in the spring, spread out in the summer, and return south in the fall. On your turn, movement cards are played and flowers are collected. Collect enough flowers to allow your butterflies to reproduce. At the end of each season, score bonus points based on the location of your butterflies. At the end of the fall, the player with the most successful family of butterflies, which means the most victory points, wins the game. Yay, butterflies! Give me butterflies in my tummy. (laughs) Hold on, Evan. Do butterflies not return? They're not going to survive long enough for the original butterflies to make it all the way out of Mexico and all the way back Ah. over the course of the year. So they have to propagate along the way. Their children make it back. I know. it's. <laughs> There's no doubt, and it's indisputable, that this is a gorgeous-looking game. With You can see so much love for this game on Instagram because it's so pretty. So 
how did you like the color palette and the way everything was laid out on the board? Kind of an interesting layout. Yeah, I like the color of the game. I think it's you know, very pu- beautiful. It kind of makes a, a different look of um, North America when you see all these flowers and colors spread across the land. Yes, it's a map by flower. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that. I've never seen a map laid out by <laughs> flower type of the United States. That's pretty cool. And the seasons were laid out at the bottom. There's beautiful script on the board. The um, Yeah, hexes. That's good. Hexes allow for just a better overall game experience, in my opinion, rather than squares. It's always been my opinion throughout my life. And, and this game, I think, exemplifies that. It just adds more. It, it winds up adding more to the game. It does. I ride with Evan on that hex quote. One component that really drew me in with the wooden butterfly tokens. It seems pretty cool to be able to move these little wooden butterflies over. And then they have numbers to indicate what generation they are. So you're trying to reproduce and get higher numbers on the board. And the butterfly tokens have an actual butterfly like screen printed on mm-hmm. the front of them. So they're the shape of a butterfly and then the screen print on it. The only issue I had with them was stacking them. There are areas in the game where you have to stack your butterflies. For example, if more people land on one spot, you have to stack. Or when your generations are changing, you're stacking your butterflies. And I found them a little bit slippery. So that was my only issue with them. But I mean, did you expect anything less of a game that was made with Elizabeth Hargrave? Same person who made Wingspan? I mean, they make beautiful games. I like that Elizabeth Hargrave really brings in her theme into the game. I'm learning more about Bloodified than I knew. I didn't know that they, they make the journey every year. And it's, it, there's science that's behind the game intrigued me. I learned things just by the challenges that she presents. So she'll present challenges like gain victory points if you have all your butterflies north of a certain city by the end of spring, right? There are cities on this map as well. That was interesting to think about it. It made me think, oh, okay, so the migration of butterflies, they're more successful if they're farther north at this moment. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it part of partially a race game, but not a traditional race game in which you're going around a track. You have to be in certain regions at certain points of the game to achieve those victory points. So you're racing to get to those regions during the course of the game. And they are not easy. And I would suspect that oftentimes you're not going to be able to accomplish all of them. I I missed out on the spring one. We both missed that spring one that Evan got, which was a very big victory point push. Kind of let him secure a lead early and keep it. Until the very end. I I didn't get to play because you guys played it live and I just couldn't make it. It sounds like there's stuff that just pops up on the board that you're trying to get to in certain areas. Do you kind of know when and where it might pop up roughly? Or is it just kind of totally random that way? So there are two elements uh, to answer your question. One is the goal card. So there's three seasons, and each season had a random goal. So Spring should say, oh, as long as I get into the yellow and green spots above Atlanta, I'm going to score six victory points. Yay! Oh, they actually named the, the states and stuff that you're in? That's cool. The major cities are, are marked on the map, and those are the ones that contain the unknown pieces. You don't know what say Houston, is carrying until a butterfly lands there. And then you can reveal which card you'll receive by being the first one to land in Houston. And then it becomes that space for the rest of the game. They're called Waystation tokens. And you can learn life cycle cards when you get there. And every life cycle card is a victory point, even if you don't make a set. But if you make a set of life cycle cards of the same color, you'll get a bonus victory point. Yeah, bonus triggers all sorts of stuff. That's the part that seemed really challenging because 
the board is hard to maneuver around. It's it's a big board and you only get between one and five spaces to move each turn and you've got two to four butterflies on the board. So it's challenging, right? You can only you, you can only move five spaces and you've got four butterflies. Oh, you're splitting the movement between all the butterflies you have. Yes, you can do that. It's tricky to get to where you need to get to. And to Celeste's point, what makes it challenging is that if you want to collect, say, all four blue cards and your butterfly needs to visit all four of those cities, that could be, you know, Miami, uh, somewhere out in California, way up in Boston, and then up in Winnipeg, like the four corners of the map. And oh my gosh, you would really need to expend a lot of your movement resource to to achieve that. That that could be very challenging. Is it a good idea to kind of leave your butterflies scattered apart from each other more just to cover more ground and be closer to what stuff pops up? Yeah, that, that is a strategy. And it's, it's interesting because you start off with just one butterfly. Oh, okay. As you reproduce, you get more. So the early part, you're kind of stressing to get that, that bonus victory point. But what you really want to do is get the flowers and try to reproduce. And you can only do that when you have a set of flowers or no, an extra one if you want to just use any flowers. You collect the flowers as you go across the board. And land next to a milkweed. Oh, milkweed. Yeah, so these are all monarch butterflies, and that's their kind of natural breeding place. Correct. Something you learn in the game, you, they need the milkweed and only in certain locations. And you, you can read some of the history in the game. It talked about the habitat of milkweed is kind of getting shrunk down, so there's only limited places where the butterfly can reproduce now. Oh, wow. You were asking about whether it's a good strategy to spread your butterflies across the board. Well, that is going to depend a lot also on which victory point cards come up. There's a lot of cards that come with this game. So you could end up with a bunch of East Coast goals and you won't know it until that season's card is flipped. I got those East Coast goals. Right, right. <laughs> so so spreading out may end up meaning that you only can achieve the goals with one or two of your butterflies. We did have a goal that said you get victory points for being on the East Coast and on the West Coast. So if you split them up and send okay. some, some in one direction and some in the other direction, you can try to gain East Points. Well, that's cool. So like the cards have, it seems like they have a variety of different conditions you can meet to achieve the goal on the card. Correct. And for all those choices, I found the game to be pretty well balanced in that um, the scores were all pretty close at the end. And to the best of my ability to sort of map out the different victory routes, because you know me, I'm a plan A, <laughs> then plan B kind of person. And I did, but I, I stuck to my plan A. I didn't really need to shift to my plan B. But even if I did my plan B, I probably would have wound up roughly about the same spot where I think I wound up. So I think it's pretty well balanced in that regard. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Mariposas. Ed? Elizabeth's new game is also lovely to look at and to enjoy learning about its subject. I love the almost frantic quest to complete gold and reproduce at the same time. While not quite as engaging and informative as, say, Wingspan, I'll still dig this up and plant some milkweed to take this journey once again. Evan? Mariposas has a lot of neat game features. It's a race game. It's a set collection game. It's a resource management game. So there's a lot going on here which means there's good replayability, and there's nothing wrong with educating people about the amazing monarch butterflies. Dig it up. Unfortunately, I didn't find this game as interesting as Wingspan. The choices were a little more limited, and the race elements didn't quite grab me, so I'm going to have to bury it. If you have thoughts about mariposas, 
Come and talk to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about the board game. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Designed by nobody. <laughs> Published by Sababa Toys, Inc. in 2006. Number of players, two to four, ages five and up. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. The gang's all here on this very nostalgic cover of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. From Snoopy in his flying ace goggles to Lucy in her scary witch mask, you will immediately be tossed back to your childhood. The treats in this box are a board, a spinner, 35 trick-or-treat cards, and four character standees complete with plastic bases. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we rifle through this game for the goodies, Evan, tell us how it's played. In It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown board game. <laughs> Come celebrate Halloween with Charlie Brown, Sally, Lucy, and Snoopy. Help them dress up in their Halloween costumes and collect candy while trick-or-treating. Then it becomes a race through the pumpkin patch to reach Linus as he waits for the great pumpkin to rise. The first player to collect five pieces of candy by trick-or-treating, collecting their character's Halloween costume by landing on their costume space, and the first one to get to Linus in the pumpkin patch wins the game. Simple, it seems. However, actually, no, it's that simple. (laughs) Wait, these kids are satisfied with five pieces of candy? That's it? And the candy's not exactly perfectly easy to come by. You you trick-or-treat on a house, you may not get a piece of candy. You may get something else, like, oh, a rock. That's terrible. (laughs) The rock. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I got this game for a dollar. $1.99 Dollar ninety nine at my local thrift store. Back to thrift store <laughs> games. It. Woohoo! Ed noticed on the back that it was originally fourteen ninety nine for this game at Barnes and Noble. Criminal. <laughs> sure. And somebody paid that amount. All right, guys. What about the beautiful components and quality of the art? Oh boy. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Charlie Brown and Snoopy, and uh, the art. Looks just like uh, Saul threw himself, which he did, and it's very colorful and well presented. <laughs> wow. And that is the nicest thing you will hear about this game for the rest of the day. And the box <laughs> itself is mass market cardboard printing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is pretty chintzy. Uh, inside are chintzy components, you like you would expect. <laughs> Well, it's a quad-fold board. There's, it's a little modern in that regard. And the spinner was solid. Well, that's that's the real kick here is the spinner. That was everything. The spinner was incredible quality for this level. You know where most of the money in that fourteen ninety nine <laughs> went It in that spinner. You know it's a toy company and not a board game company when they've got a great spinner. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Which is usually in a spinner game one of the weakest parts of a game yeah. because the spinner rarely works well. Yeah, it doesn't really spin, but this one actually spun. I think Celeste is right, though. Like, it depends on what kind of company is putting the game out and what and what kind of weight they put into the spinner's quality. But when a toy company makes the game, where does it fall down, Mike? Uh, well, <laughs> design probably is the first thing that falls <laughs> you down. You mean uh, game, gameplay? Yeah, gameplay, <laughs> mechanics, all the actual functionality of the game. <laughs> I did not play this game, okay? So I'm just saying this because I know that this is a kind of a downfall that happens. But you guys need to tell me, how bad is it? Because it looks pretty bad. Um, 
let me say this. You would not be disappointed in your assumption that is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. So it delivers exactly what I expected. Cool. It's insanely basic. Oh, you played the game a hundred times, even though you haven't played the game. <laughs> it is every game that your mom bought you at McCrory's department store when <laughs> you were kids. Woolworths. Oh, Gimbals. Caldor. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Caldor, oh, Evan? Yeah, Caldor. It's a 2006 game, so it's actually modern. What? I know. It's not 2006. 2006. Yeah. Oh, man. And yet they did nothing to improve upon the 1970s and early 80s style no, of no. spin, move, go back a space. Land exactly on the space you need oh, to yep. in order to achieve yeah, whatever no. it is you're yep. looking to achieve. Exact spins. Does it have a lot of go back a space? S- Okay, Mike, so the X on the outside of the board is the track with all the houses where you're doing your trick-or-treating and picking up your costumes. It's the interior paths you have to take both out of the pumpkin patch and back into the pumpkin patch. Mm. Linus and back is where you get the go back. The one thing that I can say Mm mechanics-wise in this game that they did okay was they (laughs) didn't opt for a D6. They opted for a D5, essentially, by making a five-point spinner. And that is much better. Because when you have to get exact numbers, eliminating a sixth of the wrong numbers is fantastic. Yeah, that's true. Percentage was. So you're saying they play tested it a little bit and said six is too much. Nobody will ever end this game. We need to make it a five count. I think that's a big assumption and threat that they said they play tested the game. <laughs> yeah, that's ambitious, Mike. <laughs> play tested. You don't even have a credit to who the heck designed this thing. <laughs> Uncredited. Maybe on you know you're in, you know you're in for yeah. something when a game is uncredited. <laughs> In 2006, you know, I mean, we're not talking 1961 here. That's crazy that this game is that modern and it looks like this. Mikey, you're going to love this bit. There's a card or trick-or-treat cards that have treats and rocks. We already went over the rocks a little bit. Oh, and quarters. And quarters. But there's one card, only one card, that's the Mm -hmm. invitation. And if you get that, you don't need to collect the five candies anymore. You can go straight to the pumpkin patch. What? That invitation is worth the five candies. You can basically cut this game down in so much by grabbing that So let that me thing. get this straight. You're you're on the board. It looks like there's a little ghost or something that you start at as your spot one. Well, you start off at the, the pumpkin, the big circular spot. You start with Linus in the pumpkin patch. Oh, okay. And you go out from there. Okay. So like you, you could spin a couple times, maybe three spins maximum to get to the first trick or treat spot. Mm-hmm. And you you grab trick or treat. It says yep. invitation, and then you're done. Yep. You just go to, to Linus. There's one other thing you got to do. You have to make it to your spot on the board where your costume is. Oh. You got to leave Linus at the pumpkin patch. Go collect five candies and collect your costume. Put your costume on, which is where you actually switch your standee. You take your standee off and put your costume standee on. Oh, yeah! It's an it's the upgrade. It's the it's the power up. What's your extra special power you get for leveling up? You can return to the pumpkin <laughs> patch. Yeah. Nothing, and there's no rule about trick or treating without a costume on. <laughs> no, you can show up to trick or treat before you get your costume. Ah, that's right. You can grab all your candy before your costume. There's no rule against you should that. Automatically get rocks for that. At least the rocks aren't like. Uh, Eddie Cantor, like, backseat drivers, though. They don't slow you down or anything, right? Uh, no, but, oh, well, they do, in a sense, because you have to put a piece of candy back if you get a rock. <gasps> oh, no, are you serious? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. I got oh, yes. oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> because it upsets you, Mike. <laughs> wow. So this game could go on a really long time. Well, man. we were fortunate because Celeste top-decked that invitation. Wow. 
And then we all accused Ed of deliberately top decking the yeah, invitation Ed's card. Yeah, a card mechanic. Yeah, Ed convinced me that he did not, you know, deliberately. <laughs> I kind of have to wonder because I may have subconsciously done it, but I- <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, what what could have been a one hour game easily turned into a twelve minute twelve minute. Oh wow! It sounds like you guys really did luck out there. <sighs> I guess so. I felt good because after a, a brutal lo- loss in Mariposas, <laughs> yeah. and Ed c- somehow managing to collect all his set in in Mariposas of the uh, life cycle cards, I was like, "Yes, I feel like Ed in Mariposas. I got the right card." <laughs> but my, but Celeste and Mike, here's the thing: you got to get back to Linus in the pumpkin patch. Avoid those backspaces. And you must spin the exact number to land on Linus. So there's Celeste. At waiting to get to Linus, one spot away, spinning, spinning, spinning. In the meantime, Ed and I are collecting more candy and racing our way back. <laughs> so she's feeling the pressure. I'm like, if I sit here and watch you guys catch up to me, I am flipping this game. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so hoping it was yeah. going to happen. Evan came close. I think he had the five candies. I did. I did. And I was heading back in that path. I was like two spins away from getting there. And So at a certain point, you've got everything you need. You get close. And then you, it's basically a 20% chance to win every spin. <laughs> basically. Yep. yep. That's, I mean, I guess it's a catch-up mechanism. <laughs> but that's <Sure>. horrible. <laughs> oh, that's restful. You know, you have to like the peanuts a lot to get anything out of this game. <laughs> this game could have been anything and like has nothing to do with Charlie Brown and Grand Halloween and it's just silly. I mean, there's cute pictures of the kids on mm. the uh, Yeah, I know. No, I know. <laughs> nice try. I know. I know. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Evan Okay, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Well, when the spinner is the best feature of the game, that kind of says it all. Theme-informing play? Not one bit. (laughs) It's a pure time burn with a cheesy skin using a classic Halloween story. Good grief, bury this game, Charlie Brown. (laughs) Ed? This game brings back the wonderful memories of Snoopy and Charlie Brown and the gang. And the not-so-good memories of games from that era. It has all the flaws of the old-style spin-and-move game. So I'll ask Linus to bury this deep in the pumpkin patch. I don't even think I'd bring it out on Halloween. (laughs) Bury it. (laughs) If you have thoughts about peanuts, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Come and chat with us on Twitter, please. (laughs) Any memories of Charlie Brown, we would love to hear it. A lot more than talking about this game. Yeah, I would definitely chat that up. Oh, God. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Come hit us up on Twitter and give us shout outs wherever you can. It really helps others find the show. Talk about us on your podcatcher, uh, wherever you handle social media. If you'd like more from us, you can become a supporter of our show. Join our other patrons and get an exclusive podcast every single week called Bonus Points. Bonus Points. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. Good grief. It's the Great Pumpkin, Ed Povolitis. Ed was born on Halloween. Yay, the best day of the year. Yay. (laughs) 